One. I first saw Mary on the highway well before we reached the Allagash. I saw her near Millinocket, the old logging town on Main Route 11. I noticed her truck first, a red Toyota, and I noticed the yellow kayak strapped on the bed. We both had New Hampshire plates. I also had a Toyota truck, green, and a yellow kayak strapped on top of a truck cap. Toyota love. She pulled into an Exxon station. I passed slowly and watched to see her get out, but she fumbled with something on the seat next to her, and I couldn't see her face. Her hair was the color of cordwood. She wore a red bandana that sometimes waved with the wind. The Allagash Waterway runs 92 miles northward from Chamberlain Lake to the St. John River on the border of Canada. It is surrounded by public and private lands, thousands and thousands of acres of pine and tamarack and hardwoods. To get to the starting point on Chamberlain Lake, you must pass Baxter State Park and Mount Katahdin. Mount Katahdin is the beginning or end, depending on the direction you hike, of the Appalachian Trail. The indigenous people did not climb Mount Katahdin until late in the 19th century. The world, they said, had been built by a man from the clouds, and he lived at the summit in snow. I stopped for gasoline at the last service station before entering the Allagash Preserve. The station catered to rafters and kayakers who ran the Penobscot, a wild, dangerous river that churned white water in spectacular rapids through steep cataracts. Three blue buses, with enormous white rafts tied to the tops, idled in the parking lot, a bunch of kids loitered around the door to the service station, all of them wet and soggy. It was a warm day for September in Maine, although the cold held just a little way off, somehow up in the branches of the trees, waiting to fall. The kids went barefoot, mostly. A few ate ice cream cones. I filled my tank. I felt good and unscheduled, but also a tiny bit nervous. Ninety-two miles through a wilderness by kayak, as Dean Halloween said when I proposed my plan for a sabbatical from my teaching post at St. Paul's School, a secondary prep school outside of Concord, New Hampshire. That sounds like an undertaking. And it did. But he had approved the plan, even contributing funds for a trip to Concord and Walden Pond to research Thoreau's activities there. Now I planned to follow Thoreau's path into the Allagash, a trip he had undertaken in 1857. Thoreau went no farther north in Maine than Eagle Lake, a stillwater camp I hoped to reach my second night. I did not know what I hoped to gain by standing on the same land as Thoreau, but it seemed necessary for the paper I hoped to write about his adventures in Maine. I also thought, and Dean Halloween concurred, that it would be a useful footnote in any future class I gave on transcendentalism. Leaning against the flank of my truck, though, the entire project seemed hopelessly academic. Why bother researching a writer who had been researched to death? Did the world really need another appraisal of Thoreau? It seemed hideously theoretical. The river, by contrast, had become more real with each passing mile. 
ninety-two miles, solo. Three enormous lakes, two portages, one class four rapids, cool nights, warm days. Not easy. Anytime you went solo in the wilderness, you risked a simple injury or mishap developing into something much larger. Dump my kayak, wet my matches, turn turtle, and what I had drawn up as a seven or eight day trip would turn into something more frightening and real. I had promised myself to be brave but cautious, intrepid but level headed, prudent and sober, smart. Hurry gradually, was my motto. It had become a little buzz phrase I used with everyone when I described the parameters of my proposed trip. Ninety.